Thank you so much for tuning in to the Lily Podcast for its very first season. We will be taking a short break before season two. In the meantime, while the Lily Podcast is on break, we will be running episode replays. So without further ado, here we go. I am here with my lovely sister, Stephanie, and she is going to be sharing her testimony. How are you feeling? I feel okay. Good, good. I'm excited. How long have you been saved now? Oof. I mean, well, it's been a year. Like, seriously mm-hmm. saved? Yes, like a year, okay. I would say. Okay. Give us a little background about who Stephanie was before Jesus. I would say I was filled with, like, anger and resentment and, you know, just living a double life because I was in the church system for a long time. That's why I said, oof. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, seriously saved has been a year. So I would say, like, you know, living a double life, just doing what I want, thinking I was still pleasing God but pleasing myself, you mm-hmm. know. Were you raised in church? No. Oh, okay. When when did you, like, first decide to, I guess, begin going to church? My older sister, she was, like, a club life kind of girl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she got pregnant at 14, gave birth at 15. And somebody spoke to her on the bus and shared the gospel. Wow. And she went to church. And me seeing the change in her intrigued me mm-hmm. to... Like, old step. How much older is she than you? She's um 29, so okay. five years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. So how old were you when you first began to see the change in her life? Um, I think I was like 12, maybe. Or oh, okay, you were like pretty 11, young. yeah. And then I started actually going to church, I would say like a year or two after seeing her actually, you know, change. Mm. Okay, so tell us, tell us, I guess you can begin to tell us like what that time was like, like when you first began going to church and I guess kind of how your walk progressed because I know like you just said, like you were, you know, living a double life. Yeah. Yeah. So like how did all of that progress towards you truly encountering him and like really being transformed? When I started going to church, you know, it was very different for me. We weren't. We grew up in like going to Catholic church, I guess, like here and there, not every Sunday thing, but just uh, here and there kind mm-hmm. of thing. But um, here we were going every Sunday, and then we were going like every Wednesday for like Bible study night, and whenever they had an event for like the youth, like youth nights. So it was. I felt like I was in it, mm-hmm. but I never really had that encounter. You know, it was just yeah. like, oh, I'm just here you mm-hmm. know, seeing my sisters change and trying to see what happened, really. This was like, you know, basically childhood, right? Yeah. OK, so then once you, you know, began to grow up and kind of make your own choices, what did your walk progress into? Like, how did how did your relationship with him kind of change after we were in that church for a few years. We decided to leave because we felt like there was more, mm-hmm. you know, and that led to a lot of church hopping. <laughs> so there was somebody from that church that was going to start their own church, you know, with the pastor's blessing. Mm-hmm. And um, we became members of that church. It was smaller, you know, in the house kind of. And 
there we had like a great youth we were very like close-knit you know we all became best friends and I felt there more um like I was doing more of the work I became a part of the choir you know Mm -hmm. I thought I thought I was doing more of the work yeah (laughs) but um but yeah it was just after that then we left that church went to another one I was also a part of the choir but I wasn't really reading my bible or praying or you know like living a holy life yeah like I was still in high school so I was part of the choir but you know had a boyfriend and was doing things mm-hmm. so there's just living in double waters but I did feel like I was doing more so right. to say just because I was in the choir yeah. <laughs> yeah all right so then now take us through like the encounter that you had with him because it's like you know, you were going to church when you were young and you saw, like, the change in your sister. But, like we know, without an encounter, you know, it can just be something that you do, you know, a place that you go to. And, you know, it makes you feel good. But without an encounter, it's really hard to see, you know, the transformation happen. So, I guess take us through, you know, how you encountered Jesus. Personally, my encounter happened with the miracle that is my son Mm -hmm. because, um, He was born premature and, like, very premature. So just seeing God every step of the way and God's timing, the way that God guarded us is just, I couldn't deny him Mm -hmm. anymore, you know. Mm -hmm. So when I got pregnant, um, the first few months, I didn't know till I was three months pregnant, by the way. Wow. That I was pregnant, yeah. Because I wasn't, you know, I had migraines previously, mm-hmm. so nausea was normal for mm. me. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't an everyday thing where I was throwing up. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, it could be because I have a headache, you know. Like, I didn't see that as a symptom of pregnancy. Yeah. But then I'm like, my ankles are kind of swollen, you know, <laughs> like I stand up like for my work. It was um, I worked on my feet. So seeing my ankles swollen when I work 10 hour shifts on my feet every day, I'm like, that's weird. Mm. And then I was getting a little bloated and I'm like, hmm, maybe I should just take the pregnancy test to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then I took the pregnancy test. You know, my friend turned it around because I couldn't even do it. And it was positive. Wow. And um, it was very, like, a trial from the start because Mm -hmm. I started spotting and I told my OB, OBGYN, and he told me, he did some blood work. He had me do an ultrasound. Everything looked normal from the ultrasound, but from the blood work, he was like, oh, you see this? You have O negative blood. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, what does that mean? He was like, that means you're the universal donor, but you can't receive any other type of blood but yours. So my son, if he has his dad's blood, my body is trying to fight against it. Mm. So my body is trying to get rid of the threat, basically. Yeah. So from the beginning, that spotting was my body trying to get rid of my son. And had my doctor not been you know, on top of it and me like, also on top of it, I guess, like, I could have lost him even there. Right. So that was just something that I was like, wow, like, God, you had my back there, you know? Because it's little things that if I we don't catch, 
it could like slip away mm-hmm. if that makes sense it does so um throughout the pregnancy you know i had high blood pressure for my appointments but my doctor always said that could be normal in um first time moms you know because we're nervous like we when you get pregnant the first thing you're like oh my gosh am i gonna lose this baby am i gonna like that's Mm -hmm. what crosses your mind all the time at least for me you know personally like no i feel that you feel like you have to protect you know the the thing that's inside of you and i feel like i had a lot of anxiety with that so me having high blood pressure like i said to him he said it was normal like it wasn't nothing crazy high Mm -hmm. so he had put me on baby aspirin okay just to be safe Mm -hmm. right and um so the day that really like changed my life for me was the day i gave birth um it was two days after my birthday and my mom wanted to celebrate my birthday And that morning, I woke up with, like, really crazy heartburn. And at that point, like, that same day, I was 27 weeks. Wow. So that's seven months. Really early. Mm -hmm. So my baby was more on six months, you know, than Mm -hmm. seven. And um, waking up with that heartburn, my husband is working, so I call him. I'm like, hey, can you get a pack of Tums? You know, like, I just feel really bad heartburn. And I'm waiting for him to get it. I woke up really nauseous, too. He gives me one, and I, like, immediately run to the bathroom and throw it up. Immediately. And, you know, like, morning sickness is the beginning of pregnancy. Yeah. So why am I throwing up now? Mm-hmm. You know? Were you it in was, pain? I wasn't in pain okay. at all. Like, that's what really, you know, shocked me because I'm like, why am I throwing up if this is, like, a beginning pregnancy thing? Yeah. Right? So after that, I... You know, sit on my bed for a while. I have something to eat, trying to, you know, feed the baby. And a few minutes pass, and I throw that up, too. So I call my mom, and I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, but I'm not feeling so well. I don't think, you know, we could hang out for my birthday. Like, let's do it some other time. Mm-hmm. And she she tells me, like, oh, if you think you could make it, like, just come over so I can make you a soup. You know, mom's always got your back. Okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I was like, you know what? Maybe that'll be good for me. So let me get ready. I go um, to my mom's house and on my drive there, I'm feeling nauseous and I had to pull over and open. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Trigger warning. We're talking a lot about vomit here. Okay, (laughs) so, yeah, I had to pull over, open my door and like just it was like water kind of. Uh. Yeah. But I heard that like morning sickness can return mm-hmm. like at different points in your pregnancy, but it is uncommon. Yeah. When you were throwing up, were you worried at all? I was a little concerned because yeah. for me, after the three month mark, I had stopped throwing up, mm-hmm. you know. And like I said, in the beginning, I was it wasn't even uh, morning sickness to me. It was just like, oh, this is, you know, nausea from my migraines. Right. To me, it was normal. Mm-hmm. So I get to my mom's house, and she's making the soup. And um, I eat it, throw it up. <laughs> like I said, I'm sorry, guys. Trigger warning. <laughs> but um, after I threw it up and then I ate a little bit more, it finally, like, food sat in my belly for a okay. while. So I was feeling better, you know. And at that point, 
I wanted to buy new clothes because nothing was fitting me anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was the plan for the day. You know, we were going to go out to eat, but then go to like a Burlington and get some clothes. So um, we go shopping and I'm picking stuff out, you know, and my legs look like crazy swollen. But to me, that's normal mm-hmm. because I, I work on my feet, you know, the last few months of my pregnancy my feet were really swollen my legs were swollen so to her you know she's like concerned yeah we get home from our day of like shopping after the soup (laughs) and she has a brother that's a doctor in dr dominican republic and she calls him sends him a picture she's like hey her legs are like really swollen what can we do about them like is there something we could do to bring down the swelling and then um he sends a voice message and is like, oh, check her blood pressure. Because if her legs are that swollen and her blood pressure is high, like, you need to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So we checked my blood pressure with her little machine that she has. And it was like one 180 something over, like, a crazy high wow. number. Yeah. But then she couldn't believe it. So she was like, you know what? Let's go downstairs because they have like an actual, like a manual one that, uh-huh. you know, does it itself and is more accurate. Yeah. Hers is the one that you have to like, you know, mm-hmm. pump yourself. <laughs> yeah. So we go downstairs to the neighbor's house and it. I put my arm in. It's a, little, a bit more accurate. And um, after it tightens and loosens, it's like 192 over like 140 something like something super high and it had never been that high before never no like it was elevated when i had my appointments but nothing like this high right so my mom lives in a bad area Mm -hmm. where the hospital doesn't have a good reputation (laughs) but my obgyn is from that hospital but me not thinking nothing you know what hospital is this saint joseph in Patterson. Patterson. <laughs> yeah. My nanny used to work there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good hospital for children, but for adults, you know, it yeah. has a bad rep. Okay. And they take forever, too. So me, me not thinking this is anything, you know, I'm like, let me go to my house, to the hospital near my house, which is a good area. It's fast, you know, like they get stuff done. Yeah. They're not going to leave you there just chilling if this is serious, right? So um, my mom is obviously worried of me driving home, but I'm like, you know, just stay on the phone with me. Mm -hmm. If anything happens, you know to call, right? So I'm driving home, and I get there. I told my husband what was going on. He had plans, had to cancel his plans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was going to go out with his friends. But, but yeah, he drives me to the hospital. He leaves me um, to check in at the emergency room. Mm -hmm. They bring down a wheelchair as they're like taking my information and then they bring me up to the the maternity floor mm-hmm. while my husband's like getting parking i think he wanted to get food too mm-hmm. i think he said i'm gonna go get something to eat because i haven't eaten <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i'm gonna just let that go so um i'm in the maternity floor at this point um they tell me to put on a gown and i'm just on the bed there they put the blood pressure just to check it mm-hmm. Um, and they're just asking me a whole bunch of questions, you know, they saw that my blood pressure was high and the doctors just made you feel so guilty. I don't know if that was the case for you, but 
for me, they made me feel so guilty. Why? Because they were like, how could you not know your blood pressure was this high? Like, were you ever diagnosed with blood pressure and not taking care of it? I'm like, no. Were you still taking <coughs> the baby me? aspirin? The baby yeah. yeah. I was taking it every day. Just once a day. It's like this tiny little thing just mm-hmm. to, like, control yeah. the blood pressure. But they made me feel really guilty. That's, that's It's horrible. Terrible. I know. <laughs> And I was like, no, I never got diagnosed with high blood pressure. You know, this is the first time this is happening to me. Mm-hmm. And um, the doctor also said, like, have you spoken to your OBGYN? Um, and I was like, I kind of haven't had the chance to. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to rush I'm to the hospital. The ER. <laughs> but um, at that point, my husband comes up and, you know, everything is happening so fast. They're putting the baby monitors on me. They're trying to get, my hands were a little bit swollen too at that point. So they were trying to get like, um, to do the IV. Mm-hmm. They were trying to find a vein and couldn't find one. They were poking me everywhere. It wasn't working. At that point, like when everything was happening, I decided to call my OB because oh, this man is just fantastic. He gave birth to me and my sisters. Oh, wow. Like he's my mom's <laughs> OB. <laughs> and we're, we're here, you know, because he delivered us too. Yeah. So, like, I trust this man with my life, but I decided to go to a different hospital. Now I'm like, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. But, you know, back then I was trying to just get in quicker. Yeah, it was an emergency. Yeah. So I call him and he's like, Stephanie, just breathe. Like, try your best not to get anxious and make your blood pressure even higher because we don't want this baby to get delivered. Mm-hmm. Like, he is too small right now. And I'm like... No pressure, doc. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand what he was saying. Like, he was so, and as he said that, I was just, like, tearing up because mm-hmm. I'm like, here I am trusting this doctor, and she's making me feel super guilty, you know, where my OB is just assuring me. Mm-hmm. So then um, the doctor notices on the baby monitor that, like, we're losing his heartbeat. So... They start moving things around, can't find it. Um, The doctor asks somebody, like one of the nurses, to bring in another machine. That's, like, I guess more accurate. Couldn't see it there. She tells me, um, like, she looks at me in my eye and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, but we're going to have to do, like, an emergency C-section. And after that, I just remember them, them unhooking me from the baby monitor, taking out the needle that they tried to put in, you know. And I just looked at my husband and like we both had such fear in our eyes. We couldn't even say bye to each other. Like they just unhooked the side of the bed and started running with me to the OR. This is my worst fear right here. Hearing those words, oh, we have to do an emergency Mm -hmm. (laughs) C-section. It was definitely an experience, okay? But just... Remembering them running with me on the bed, mm-hmm. you know, it was so frightening. Yeah. Because I'm like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with my baby? And we got to the OR, and I didn't even fully get, like, admitted to the hospital yet. Mm-hmm. She was asking me the questions, and then, you know, we lost the baby's heartbeat. So the anesthesiologist is behind me. And he's like, oh, do you verbally, con-? like, I'm literally <laughs> looking up at him. And he has the the mask about yeah. to cover me. 
And he's like, do you verbally consent um, to getting anesthesia? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, what can I say? Definitely. Like, am I going to say no? (laughs) I don't want to be awake for this. Right. And then um, all I feel is like the razor on my lower abdomen and then the sprayed on iodine. Oh, you were awake. Just for that part. Okay. And then knocked out. Okay. It was quick, you know, but I felt that. Yeah. I didn't feel the razor of me starting to get like cut. Is the, you know, they have to remove the hair to make the cut. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm. For any surgery. Okay. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. I I mean, I guess I've seen them do it, like, sometimes in the TV shows. But usually it's just, like, iodine. They just, like, spray it on and then just go straight for the cut. No, they have to shave the hair. Okay. Yeah. So that's all I remember, like the razor, iodine, and then a mask. (laughs) I literally, like, consented to the doctor Mm -hmm. looking behind me because I'm on the bed, you know? Yeah. But after the C-section, I wake up in this room. You know, it's, like, very empty. The nurse is there with, like, um, one of those standing computers Mm -hmm. trying to finish admitting me. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, like, shaking in the bed like shaking like crazy i don't know if it was cold if it was like nervousness but they put like a lot of blankets on me Mm -hmm. so like the weight could make me calm down i guess i've seen that like women shake after After having the baby oh even like regular birth like Mm -hmm. they they shake after I, i can't remember what the reason was but i remember like feeling shaky after i had my first son mm-hmm. and i'm like what is this like is something wrong it's so like yeah, yeah i'm like something is going wrong like something isn't right but um i looked it up on like tiktok or something and it's pretty normal but it is weird i don't remember what the reason was but yeah go ahead so it was a really uncomfortable feeling and um they're they're finished trying to check me in and I remember, like, my husband coming in, and then I, he saw me shaking, and he just walked out. <laughs> While he was it there? I think he was scared or, like, you know, like, sad to see me like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it was uncomfortable. Like, I yeah. can't imagine, you know? Yeah. So then he comes back in once I'm calm. And he's, like, feeding me ice because I'm so thirsty. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like I was intubated. Mm-hmm. I Were felt you? like, I don't know, because mm. I was, you know, knocked out. Yeah. But I felt like there was a rub, like, something rubbery taken out of me. Mm-hmm. Like, it tasted like, you know. Yeah. Like, something had been in my mouth. So I was so thirsty. I'm like, I want to get this taste out of my mouth. And he was just feeding me ice. And the nurse was like, oh, don't give her too much ice. She could throw up. I'm like... I don't care right now. <laughs> like, I just want liquids, yeah. okay? And, yes, I did throw up. Uh, this is, <laughs> listen, <laughs> should that be, like, in the title? <laughs> but, yeah, I was just, like, throwing up water because I just wanted so much ice, and I could barely talk. Like, my husband was giving the answers for me. Like, I would whisper it to him because I didn't have a lot of volume in my voice. The nurse was, like, across the room, you know, so... I had just gotten out of this surgery and I can't yell to you over there. So I'm like whispering into my husband so he could tell her what's going on. Um, but yeah, very traumatic. I don't even know what happened to my baby. You know, I'm like, where's my baby? Like, what? Is he alive? Like, they didn't tell you anything. No. 
And I asked my husband, and um, he said he's like he's alive. Mm-hmm. What ho- what hospital did you birth at? Inglewood. Okay, I'm not familiar. It's a good hospital. Like they're quick, you know. Yeah. But I don't know some attitude of some of the nurses and doctors. Okay, like now thinking back, I remember when I was being checked in. The nurse, um, no, not the nurse, the doctor, she was like, we're trying to keep you from having a seizure right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, um, like, it's not my fault yeah, my blood pressure is like high. Like, terrible bedtime You're just making manner. it worse. <laughs> but, yeah, like, me thinking back, I'm like, I was said some things, okay? You know, it's so funny. Like, I mean, you hear all the time that, like, nurses are, like, mean girls from high school or whatever Mm -hmm. but um there's also like a thing where they say like the nurses that work uh, in labor and delivery are the worst like they're super and that's when you need you need the most like comfort it's really sad that's terrible another thing i remembered i'm so sorry Mm -hmm. i didn't say it earlier but one of the nurses was a patient at my old job oh wow yeah so i'm like I was so glad to have a familiar face. I was going to say, did because that make she you feel was more comfortable? so nice and, you know, like, obviously she can't go over the doctor. Mm-hmm. So she did as much as she could. But I remember waking up um, when I was shaking. She was the one that was, like, putting blankets on me mm-hmm. and, like, holding my hand. And I was like, where's my baby? Where's my baby? Like, as my husband was feeding me ice, you know, yeah. like, she was the one that was there. Mm-hmm. So... Having that familiar face, you know, like I would never forget that. Yeah, I would never forget that she was a light in a room of darkness, literally. That's good. Yeah. After I get admitted, I'm so like shaky still and um like nervous. I don't know if my husband wanted to show me the picture right away to make me feel worse. I guess because the last thought <coughs> in my mind was that he was like. In the NICU, intubated, needed 10 million machines, you know, like, that's the last thing in my mind. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, oh, they're just, you know, they just took him away to, you know, like, I I assumed that he needed some help, but not as much as he got, right? Yeah. Because when we're pregnant, like, at least for me, I didn't want to Google anything, like oh, you different. Anything. Listen, I was on all the apps. I really? was Googling everything. <laughs> TikTok. No, but you know why? Because I didn't want to worry Fear myself yourself. and for something to like become my reality, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, no, it if, does. If I look so much into this, like it will happen to me. Yeah, then you start believing and yeah. So I didn't look up anything at all. Like when I had symptoms, I would call my doctor, mm-hmm. you know. So I never looked up anything of the NICU. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know, you know, what happens in there. Um, But, yeah, I go up to the labor and delivery floor. And the first two days, I was, like, immobile. Mm -hmm. I was still super swollen. They had this machine on my legs to, to, like, give me circulation, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, I had to wear, like... At least 23 hours. I could only have it off for, like, one hour. But then the third day of me being in the hospital, that's when I, like, I was finally able to, like, push myself up and stand up. So I'm like, I want to see my child, Mm -hmm. right? I saw him in the picture at that point. You know, I saw him with all the tubes and stuff. And um, it was disheartening. But in the picture, he didn't look super tiny to Mm -hmm. me. 
you know, I'm like, oh, he's not that bad. Yeah. Like, he's going to make it, right? And um, I go to the NICU, and I, I'm seeing all these babies because it's like uh, incubator after incubator mm-hmm. after incubator, right? And my husband's, like, moving me in the wheelchair. And I see this, like, tiny, like, super tiny baby. And I'm like, please, Lord, let it not be that one. <laughs> like, I'm so serious. Just because I'm like, he looks so fragile and delicate. And, like, he's so tiny. Like, please let it. Let me have at least a little chunky NICU baby, right? Mm-hmm. And no. It was... That little skinny baby. Yeah. <laughs> that was my baby. So I'm like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. So I get yeah. there, and I'm seeing him for the first time, and he looks so much tinier in the, you know, in person than in the picture. Mm-hmm. And I l- took a picture with him, like with my hand, just so people could see how tiny he truly was. Wow. Because if you see the picture, it's like the incubator's here, right? My baby's on inside, mm. and I put my hand next to him, so you can see that it's like one and a half of my hand, that was him. He was long mm-hmm. because my husband's tall. Yeah. But he was so skinny. Mm-hmm. For reference, maybe I could show the diaper now. These are some things from the NICU that I have. So this is his first diaper. Wow. Little tiny one pound. I thought diapers were small. Yeah. Little tiny one pound baby. And these are some things that actually they give to the moms when the babies don't make it. Oh, wow. So when I was discharged, they gave me this. And um, it's funny because I found that out later. I was about to ask, like, did you know that? This was a band-aid. I don't know I don't if you like can see that. it. Why would they do that? No, I, I'll explain better. I'll explain better. So, um, my baby, nobody really thought he was going to make it because he was one pound, like 1.7 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. And the days coming, like leading up to my discharge, the night before the day I got discharged, they call me. The NICU calls my phone, and they say, oh, I'm so sorry, but we're going to have to transfer him to another hospital. We don't have the equipment that he needs. So he needed it's a machine called the oscillator. Yeah. And what it does, it, like, shakes the baby's chest to get, like, his lungs to function correctly, mm-hmm. you know, because he was birthed right before his final organs got to grow and, you know, mature. Mm-hmm. So we go down to the NICU. We have to sign paperwork to authorize him getting transferred. And, um, yeah, he was taken, taken in one of the little, like, ambulances to St. Joseph because they're a children's hospital. And they have amazing equipment. You know, they deal with preemies all the time. It's- so ironic Isn't that you it? ended up back there anyway. <laughs> uh, I ended up there anyways, but like I said, it's an amazing ch- children's hospital. Yeah. So for children, it's not a problem. But me personally, when I have an issue, I do not want to go there. Yeah. You know? But, um, yeah, so my last night, that happened in the, like, I want to say 11 p.m., 12 a.m., you know? 
So that night I was just like devastated mm -hmm. because I'm like, my baby's not even in this hospital now. I can't even go see him, you know. Mm -hmm. And we had 24 hour <clears throat> access to see him mm -hmm. since we were in the hospital. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. My second son, he had to stay in the NICU because he had jaundice. So he was there for like eight days, but you, they would not let us stay all night. Yeah, it's only when you're like admitted after oh, you. Okay. Yeah, after you get discharged, we don't have twenty four hour access okay. either. Yeah. So um, that night, I just remembered I I just stayed up praying, like praying so hard, like God, you know. All my life, I wanted to be a mom, mm -hmm. like all my life, and then this is what happens. It was, like, so hard. And I was just praying, like, Lord, you know, this could be an amazing story if he lives, right? Mm -hmm. And that night I just was restless. I was sleepless. My husband was, you know, on the couch snoring. <laughs> but I couldn't, like, the fact that he needed more. Like, a more stronger machine to be transferred to a different hospital was just devastating for me but um the next day I got discharged and they were still concerned with my blood pressure and um I was like highly medicated like I was really tired very forgetful thank you <laughs> very forgetful and um I remember when we were going like to the car to get discharged to like go home right like i had my flowers and balloons from the birthing like it's a boy right mm -hmm. and heading down um thank you mm -hmm. heading down everybody's congratulating you and i'm like like stop mm -hmm. like don't congratulate me mm -hmm. and i know it sounds horrible but it's like what about mothers that lost their baby you know mm. because that's how I thought about it. I know my baby was still alive in a different hospital, but I'm like, like, stop congratulating me, really. I said it in my head, but that's how I felt. Because you see me with things, but with no baby. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I can't imagine a mom that would have lost her baby, like a stillbirth or something like that. But, um, but yeah, we, we go straight to the hospital after my discharge. Like, I didn't even go home. Mm-hmm. And I had a C-section, so my husband had to drive very carefully, you know, like with potholes and stuff. And Patterson has a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So I'm just in the car, like, leaning back and, you know, in so much pain, so much pain. And I was still really swollen. And we get to the NICU, and my son is there, you know, with the machine, and it's, like, shaking his chest. And it's hard to watch. Mm. And... We're in a room with other NICU babies and other parents who are just as worried as us, right? And after that, it was just really visiting him every day, at least for me, you know. Some, like, um, I couldn't drive, but I would get rides mm -hmm. to the hospital. Yeah. Like, when my husband couldn't, my sister would or my mom would. Or, like, some people from the other church that I was going to would. Um, but I would make it, like, my number one priority to see my son at least once a day. Like, yeah. I couldn't be there forever because it was a really hot room. And I was still, like, groggy with the medicine and 
the C-section, I couldn't stand for very long, so I would be in a chair. Mm-hmm. And the heat of that room would just make you feel, like, faint. So I was, like, very dizzy in there. Mm-hmm. But, um, but after that, it was just, like, a waiting game, really, because we got a one-pound baby, you know. He's, right now, he's intubated with a feeding tube to be able to be fed and they only drink like a little bit you know yeah. at that point so i was pumping and i was able to get like droplets mm-hmm. not too much because i was so stressed like i i didn't get much and then you know a plastic is not the same as um mm-hmm. the actual experience of nursing yeah where your body would let it go mm-hmm. when it's a piece of plastic you know like the pump I didn't get much, but I'm like, I want my baby on breast milk. They tell us the importance of breast milk for NICU babies. Like, it's gold to them, mm-hmm. literally. So, um, me not being able to breastfeed was another hit, you know, because it's something I did want to do. Yeah. Mm, who knows, you know, I don't know. Cause I never really got to do it, but it's something I did want to do mm-hmm. before all of this happened. And, not being able to provide that was like devastating and um them telling me the importance of like having breast milk they have an option where you know your baby's gonna need more milk soon and we know you're not producing that much are you willing to like let him get donor breast milk i'm like of course you know absolutely so i signed that without you know hesitating yeah some people are like oh it's somebody else's milk i'm like so it's breast milk you know it's better than formula right especially for NICU babies you know mm-hmm. don't get me wrong my baby drinks formula i'm not knocking formula moms because i am one okay but when it comes to the NICU like me given that choice i definitely was like yes yeah. let's do the donor milk right and um so, yeah, after that was just a waiting game. I became really friendly with the staff. Like, you know, they're like, oh, you're here again? I'm like, yeah, all day, every day, right? <laughs> but um, he had to hopefully be off the feeding tube. You know, some some children do go home on feeding tubes. But um, the goal for him to get home was to be off the feeding tube, be able to take milk on his own. And to be able to breathe on his own, because he had, like, respiratory machines, too. Mm -hmm. And to be at least four to five pounds. So that was, like, the goal. Yeah. And How long did it take? It took three and a half months. Sheesh. Mm -hmm. So I was going to the hospital every day for three and a half months. Yeah. And it was, I remember the first time I was able to carry him. Because, you know, when they're so young... They don't want you touching them. Mm -hmm. They feel like they're still in the belly. You know, just them getting, like, the, um, because they had, like, an IV, tiny needles. Mm -hmm. So just them getting that, getting their diaper changed is very uncomfortable for them. Mm -hmm. So they will tell me to, like, limit touching because their skin is also very, like, um, thin. Yeah, very thin, very sticky. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, we had to, like, wear, um gowns and Mm -hmm. gloves so like the stickiness of the glove would could hurt their skin okay so i couldn't really touch him too much at first you know and i remember the day that they told me oh mom you could carry him like he's a certain weight where you could you know carry him for the first time and 
at that point, I still wasn't able to drive. But you know me. I <laughs> I did not care. Okay, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I turn six weeks postpartum in, like, two weeks. Like, I'll be all right, to be honest. You know, I'll drive slow, whatever, because I did not have a ride that day. I'm like, there's no way out of all days, the first day I could carry my baby, you guys aren't going to take me? Yeah. So I drove myself, you know, parked, and I was, like, ecstatic. And I went, and it was, like, you know, like this, Mm -hmm. because super delicate, you know, we have to have the wires in Mm -hmm. the way, but just me holding him and having him. When you see that picture, he looks like a little peanut. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's so tiny. It's like holding this microphone. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But it was, it meant everything to me. Yeah. It was the closest I got, right? And um, after that, it was, it just was progression, you know? Like, I prayed hard. That's when I had my encounter because I'm like... Like, God, you're all we literally have Mm -hmm. now, you know? Like, all I could have is hope. There was no choice for me. Mm -hmm. It's either, like, have hope and pray for this baby or, like, the nurses and science is going to give you that negative connotation that he's not going to make it, you know? Because of the, the little souvenir of the other hospital, Um, when I talked to some of the nurses in St. Joseph, like where he was transferred and I told him, oh yeah, I got like his first diaper and it's so tiny. And she was like, oh, that's weird because they usually give that to babies that don't make it. Mm -hmm. So their mom could have like memorabilia, I guess. Yeah. But, um, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't that because when the nurse gave it to me, I felt like she just wanted me to have it if that makes sense. At least that's what I felt from the nurse mm-hmm. because I, I remember I just asked for his blanket when he was being transferred. I was like, can I have the blanket that he was laying on? Yeah. And then I was in my room that night that I was praying for him when he was transferred and she comes in with this little bag. She's like, oh, here, just in case you want some of the things from the NICU that we use, but good luck on your journey. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel anything like negative with her. You yeah. know? I didn't feel like, oh, well, he's not going to make it, so... Yeah. Yeah, I didn't feel that at all with her. Okay. It was like, you know, since she asked for the blanket, maybe she'll want this to remember, too. Yeah. That's how I felt. Okay. After a few, like, a month and a half, I would say, we were able to do skin-to-skin for the first time, and they put this little peanut in my shirt. He's <laughs> so little, and um, he loved it. Yeah. Like, he loved it. They tell us to do it for at least at least an hour like if you can't stay for an hour don't make him come out of that thing and you know bother him because that's like he feels like he's in the belly Mm -hmm. you know because the warmth yeah aside from all the tubes and stuff so um you know i did my i would do longer than an hour i would do three if i could it was very hot in there but i did what i can and when they would take him off of me he was just so like (laughs) like the nurses had okay he made the nurses work (laughs) he had a time with them okay they used to call him like firecracker because he was just full of energy made them work really hard wow he would take everything off wow everything (laughs) he was a strong strong baby so um yeah after months of skin to skin and you know being there for him 
seeing many different families come and go and babies that don't make it, um, babies that did make it, you know, like being happy for somebody else waiting for your moment. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a beautiful, you know, really hard experience, but it was beautiful too when I got to see like, oh, they're getting discharged, right? And some babies left with oxygen tanks. One of them left with a feeding tube. Um, and yeah, he got, once he reached the four or five pound mark, he had um, hernias because he just made so much strength. <laughs> he just made such, like, he pushed a lot, mm-hmm. you know, like he was just very feisty. So it caused him to have inguinal hernias. He had to have a surgery for that, and they did the circumcision right there. Mm. So. That was the only surgery, thank God, that he needed. Yeah, thank Only God. surgery from a one-pound baby is, like, unheard of. Yeah. They usually have, like, a lot of problems. And he went home with no need for, like, an oxygen machine, no need for um, nothing, really. He went home good. But um, two weeks after he was discharged... He did, um, he started acting weird. Like, he was not, um, not pooping. He was not throwing a gas when I would burp him. He wasn't, he was very, like, lethargic. Mm -hmm. So, I decided to take him to the hospital, and they did the little pulse sock on his foot, and he needed oxygen. So, he was admitted again for, like, two weeks, and this time was in Englewood, and it was, it was a good experience. Like, you know, they... He was bigger. They had the machines he needed. And it was just waiting to see until he got off the oxygen. Mm -hmm. And he did. He went home with no oxygen. And he's been home ever since. He was in and out of the hospital for a little bit because he would get sick really easily. Yeah. But um, in regards to him being in the NICU, that's it. He's been home and he's been a good boy. And he's gaining weight, you know, hitting those milestones. That's so awesome. Yeah. Wow. So tell us, like, through that experience, like, where was Jesus through it all? To me, it was a lot of, like, having faith Mm -hmm. and prayer. And I remember the church I used to go to, I got a prophecy, and they said, many of the babies from the NICU survived because of your prayer, because there was, like, a hedge of protection over the room Mm -hmm. where my son was. You know, because Amen. it was like different rooms of um, NICU babies. Mm-hmm. I, re- I ordered a blanket on Amazon with a Bible verse because, it you know, the incubator is like um, an acrylic kind of glass. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, you know, maybe I could bring this in. I asked and yeah, people bring stuff, you know, just to make it feel a little more personal, like it's their home. Right. So this blanket said you were fearfully and wonderfully made, you know that verse and I put it over him to cover him because the that's how they sleep like you mm-hmm. and then the nurses would check if anything but I would put that over him it's like declaring a bible verse over him you know yeah so to me it was really like I had to be steadfast in my prayer mm-hmm. that was like when my prayer life really started for me because like I said I lived a double life mm-hmm. and I didn't think of Christianity as having a relationship. To me, it was like doing works in the church. Yeah. You know, like serving in the church and 
Like I said, I was in the choir, so I thought I was saved, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so through this experience and, like, after being put in a situation where, you know, you have to press into relationship with Jesus, how would you say life has changed? Like, how has Jesus transformed you today through this experience? Um, or any other experience up to you yeah I feel like that was the first time where I saw like I can't let go I can't just pray one time Mm -hmm. and think something is gonna happen that was the first time where I saw that like prayer is a battlefield like it could be a battlefield you Mm -hmm. know like it's a process because it was like there'll be progression with him but then, oh, he needs this machine again. Mm-hmm. And then he'll be good. Now he needs hernia surgery. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I want to say a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. But I was still always praying. And I was just like always positive. You know, I like I knew my baby was going to make it. Yeah. It was just a matter of when. So to me, it was um, it was really having that consistency. That was my first time being consistent mm-hmm. in prayer because I'm usually the type, was usually the type where I would easily like just pray once about it, twice, you know, and then let it go or nothing happens. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, like we really have to press in and exhaust, right? Exhaust yes. uh, the prayer because that's when things happen, when you really give it your all. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, it was really hard for me because I was also, like I said, on strong medication for the blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And I was just losing a lot of my memory. So, like, I didn't lose any memory of, like, the rules of driving. Like, yeah. I knew how to drive and things like that. But memory and, like, yesterday they would tell me something about him. And I would forget the next day. Mm. And it's like, or. My husband, you know, he was working, so he couldn't be at the NICU all the time like I was. And he would ask me about the baby, like, oh, what did they say about the baby today? And I'm like, I don't remember. I don't remember. (laughs) And it it was such a battle for me. Like, that was really hard because it has never happened to me where I can't remember things, you know. And I know in pregnancy, you know, we get, like, mommy brain and Mm -hmm. we get a little fogged, but... On that medication, it just made it 10 times worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was really hard for me. And praying for the Lord to bring back my memory to, you know, mm. eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where would you say, where would you say you are today in terms of your relationship with Christ and, you know, being being steadfast, but like being grounded in him? How would you say, you know, your relationship looks like today? I definitely have a lot more patience, you know, because it was a process. Mm -hmm. And then he was in and out of the hospital after that. So I have more patience in that sense. Um, I feel like my faith has definitely increased, you know, because like nobody believed but me. (laughs) Mm. nobody was fighting for my baby but me you know I was his voice Mm -hmm. so when like doctors and nurses wanted to do things I like I would say no yeah and like that's not necessary right so 
I had faith that where for science it looked like it was impossible for God it was possible mm-hmm. and that's what I feel that experience has really taught me awesome what advice would you give to someone who is going through a tough time maybe with their children or you know just being in a situation where you really do have to press into prayer and like even speaking to like the roller coaster of it all like you see progress progression and then maybe a setback like what advice would you have for someone in terms of really cultivating their relationship through a time like that well for me um i would say just trust just have trust in the lord you know like full trust because I was at a point where I had faith. I'm not saying I didn't, but I was like, if you want to take him, that's fine with me. Like, you know, mm. I trusted God's will mm-hmm. for my life. So I um, I would just say we're not the ones in control. So we have to completely lay ourselves down and, you know, Prayer, yes, like have prayer, but also understand he has a will and he has a timing. And um, yeah, that's what I would say. Just have a lot of trust in God. Amen. Who do you know God to be? I know him to be a miracle worker. Amen. (laughs) Okay, because (laughs) listen, a one pound baby, that's like incredible that he's normal now. Because they always have, not always, but, you know, they usually have some kind of something slowing them down. Mm -hmm. Or he could have went home with oxygen or, you know, medication. He didn't need anything. Mm -hmm. He went home perfectly fine. That's so awesome. God is a miracle worker. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Lily Podcast. For a while, I have been wanting to put out a call to salvation. And the call to salvation begins with the gospel. The gospel says that God became man in Jesus Christ, that Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, the life that we were all supposed to live. And he died the death that we are all deserving of due to our sin. Three days later, he rose again proving that he is the son of God, offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to all those who would repent and believe in him. If you have not answered the call to salvation and you want to answer the call to salvation, please fill out the form below and let's see if I can get you connected with disciples in your local area so that you can get started on your journey with Christ. If you have answered that call to salvation, but you haven't been activated in the Great Commission, you can use that same form below and I can get you connected with disciples in your local area that can show you how to get activated and get involved in the work that God left us here to do. The Great Commission says, Go therefore, preaching the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey the things that God has commanded us. As Christians, we have a work here on this earth. So if you haven't been activated, use that form below and let's get you activated. Once again, I'm so grateful and I really do appreciate your support. Thank you for tuning in and meet us back here next week because we will be dropping a new episode 
every Friday. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support.